Fellow students frequently ask why there is not more written material or how come that there is not material on the teaching of self-knowing and self-observation around the world as long as it's supposed to have been in existence for ages upon ages. Possibly it is, and only due to being conditioned, we never noticed it. So for the time being, we're going to discuss a few points of reference works, which do indicate that self-knowing has been taught for ages upon ages. We're going to read from a very commonly known book, and it starts off, Then he called the crowd to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, not just hear, but to understand also. There is nothing outside a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a man, these are what defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, did you hear, or did you merely hear some words? By hearing means intercomprehension. I, without the conditioning, hears. And if it goes through the conditioning, one doesn't hear. Now it continues. And when he had entered the house away from the crowd, his disciples then began to ask him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you also then without understanding? Do you not realize that nothing from outside by entering a man can defile him? For it does not enter his heart, his awareness, but his belly, and passes out into the drain. Thus he declared all foods clean. And, he said, the things that come out of a man are what defile a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, the conditioned area of men, the awareness that has been conditioned and taken over by the basic idea that the whole purpose of living is to gain pleasure and escape pain on all levels, and that the way to get it is to complain, stick up for rights, please do as one is told by authority, put on a different front, and to blame is all trying to do what? Gratify the four dual basic urges, which is then all of this makes up the heart of man. And let's see what it says. And he said, the things that come out of a man are what defile a man. Far from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, adulteries, immorality, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, shamelessness, jealousy, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within and defile a man. Why they defile a man? Because X operates upon them as being true if the I is identified with all these bits of conditioning. Now, how could one know they were within person unless he was observing self? It is implied by hear and understand that one would inspect what is within self, what the self is made up of. Now let's look at all the things that he said come out of the self. Evil thoughts, 
thoughts of revenge, thoughts of having accounts due one, thoughts of vanity, thoughts of defense of that false picture of self, thoughts of revenge, and thoughts of all sorts of things. After all, revenge would lead to murders if it's carried to its ultimate. It's getting even. Adulteries, which is to gain a pleasure, and it is to adulterate things instead of seeing them in their purity, not only from the standpoint of interpersonal relationships between people, but to adulterate ideas, to adulterate the teachings, to convert it, twist it around, and to say that it has nothing to do with the inner state of man, but only has to do with his outward behavior, would be to adulterate the teachings, to change agape into being tolerant, to change being washed of all these things that man would be washed of as he observes them into being merely dipped through some water would be to adulterate. <clears throat> and immorality. Morality is possibly has nothing to do with one's particular behavior with others, but let's try what morality might mean. If I know how to control, a, do not know how to control another person, and of course I don't, would that be because I was moral or because I simply didn't know how to control them? That couldn't be considered moral. If I know how to control a person and do control them, could that be considered moral or would it merely be cunning? But if I know how to control another person and don't, because I don't feel I have dominion over another man, but only over the self and over things lower than man. That might be considered to be moral. Jealousies. Jealousy is wanting the attention that someone else is getting or the approval that someone else is getting. It is feeling entitled to, to stick up for one's rights. It is the four dual basic urges in action with A, running the show. Complain to get my way. Be pitiful. Make the person feel bad. Come wait on me. Stick up for my rights and blame somebody for having run off with the objects that was so aided my comforts and pleasures and gave me attention and approval. Now they're giving it to someone else. Blasphemy. Blasphemy, of course, is what? Using that which is holy for an unholy purpose. So if one takes the teaching and uses it to control people, to put threats on them, to make them obey, it could be called blasphemy. Pride. Pride is to defend this false picture of self. The self is being so fully conscious when it is not. When it is going along in a state of sleep, I identified with all the not-eyes, and there is purely reaction, and then when somebody calls it to account, then there's a defense, well, I did it for a certain purpose, I did it because of certain reasons, I was doing it because I wanted to see how you would react, I wanted to see what was going on, while I was free to do it, etc. And other times of pride to defend the false idea that one was conscious when one was not that one was in a dream state of knowing what ought to be and reacting accordingly from these things that arise from within the heart or the awareness of man that is conditioned. Foolishness. Foolishness is anything that isn't paying attention. 
Whatever one is not paying attention is considered foolishness in the teaching of all things. Foolishness is taking a false idea and accepting it as true. Living by beliefs without checking out the beliefs because someone said this belief, if you follow it, will give you pleasure and comfort in the future or if you don't follow it, it will bring about pain. So is there any doubt that 2,000 years ago that self-knowing was being taught, that the picture of man was laid out, that here was out of the heart of man, instead of calling it the awareness, it was called the heart, and it is still the heart or the vital area of man. Is it any doubt that it was there? being taught at that time, and has it been adulterated down through the ages, and left out and said this only has to do with outward food, you can eat anything you want to now, you don't have to leave off all the prohibited foods. You see the things that were called foods and prohibited were because they represented conditioning or unconsciousness. They weren't fully aware and on the using as a symbol, they had perverted the symbol. And somebody said, you had to see within. What is really within man? What arises from within the person so that they can see what is going on within? Now, when we begin to be aware that the heart or the awareness factor of man is fully conditioned and that I has been laying there asleep and that even though I has awakened up and from now and then is able to observe that self, that from it comes all manner of things that defile the human being. Now the word defile comes from an old word that says trampled under foot. Therefore it was of the idea that it was defiled, it was trampled under foot. So, most of us feel that we are trampled down, that we are controlled by all signs of forces that we attribute to come from without. We indulge in great amounts of self-pity. We come up with hate, with revenge. We feel that we are victimized. And, of course, there is plenty of forces that attempt to tell us that we are the victims of all manner of circumstances. Man is told to look to his political ideologies or to his other various organizations to be protected from being victimized. He is told there is enemies in the open, that they're outside, that they're controlling him, and that these must be overcome by force and by power. But how many times have you ever been told, look within and you will find that which defiles you? It comes out of the conditioned area of man. Everything that's in conditioning tramples man, the real living being, underfoot. It defiles him, tramples him, renders him incapable of performing, and lets the conditioning mechanically operate and destroy the human being. And in the meantime of destroying, he suffers many agonies. This has been taught for thousands of years, if it was taught, but very few heard it. The great teacher said, hear and understand. Now, we don't understand unless we apply something. Now, we could hear something over and over and over, and until I begin to apply it, 
under no ways could it said to be understood, because only by experiencing it, by discovering it for self and seeing, can one say that one understands. So here, that all things that tramples one under, defiles them, causes them difficulty, comes from within. Now, if that be the case, we'll have to look and see where it is within. Is that correct? We would not find it in the muscles, and we wouldn't find it in the bloodstream, and we wouldn't find it in the saliva. We wouldn't find it in the heart pumping away the physical organ. We would find it in the mind, in the area of beliefs, in the awareness function of man. Now, if we begin to look there by self-observation, by separating I, the observer, the awareness function from man, by awakening it, and beginning to observe this, we will see without any doubt where that which causes all the trouble in an individual's existence comes from. We will see what defiles him or tramples him under, makes him sick, makes him in conflict with his fellow man, in conflict within. And we'll see that all of that is on the basic ideas of the four dual basic urges, that the whole purpose of living, which is a false idea, but it's there, solid, and one can observe it, that the whole purpose of living is to gain pleasure and escape pain, to gain attention and avoid being ignored or rejected, to gain approval and escape all disapproval, to feel important by being able to control others and by feeling inferior when one cannot, and that one then tries to gain these methods, these ideas, these purposes, by complaining. And of course, complaining includes jealousy, it includes contention, it includes envy. And all of this comes from within, within the awareness function, function of man that has been conditioned. And we might say that it is his psyche or his soul, and it is lost, <coughs> and is incapable of functioning as it was designed to function. And all these things arise, all the many lusts, the urge to gain gratification of the senses from whatever level, from having thefts, which says I must have that so I will be non-disturbed. I must have that in order to give me pleasure. And of course then there is the rise of what we know as crime. Now of course there is many kinds of thefts that are not mentioned here, that in the idea of crime. When I can thieve by taking credit, by saying, I did this, and I did that, and I did the other. I did all these wonderful things. I does not know how to do anything. I can only be aware at the best, and usually not that. It is usually lost in the conditioning and can do nothing. Only X can do. <clears throat> no person knows how to walk, even though you experience walking every day, many, many times. No one knows how to chew food, even though we experience chewing. We don't know how to see, but we experience seeing. We don't know how to hear. We experience hearing of the physical sounds, usually not 
hearing what is implied and thereby understanding it. <clears throat> and so I can only experience things, sense things, but it does not do anything. And when I claim to be able to do, I am a thief. Is that correct? Deceit comes about. How does deceit come about? Deceit comes because I hope to gain some pleasure. I feel I'm about to lose some other way, but if I deceive someone, I will gain attention and approval. If I can claim to be something that I'm not, if I can put on a good front and appear to be different than what I really am, <clears throat> that is deceit. If I claim to be conscious when really I'm sound asleep and lost in conditioning, that is deceit. <clears throat> and the greatest one that's being deceived, of course, is self. I is being put to sleep and still is being convinced that it's awake and is capable of choosing doing when all it is doing is reacting. Moment by moment, reaction with never a solid moment of understanding what one. Does this particular little parable we read indicate that self-knowing Self-observation was very definitely taught and has been available for every one of us, but we read it and we read where it says, Hear all of you and understand. And of course, we always deceive self by saying, I understand because I understand the general, physical, literal meaning of the word. We do not seem to be able to understand that there is an inner state of man and that this is what <clears throat> deceives a man, what tramples him under, what destroys him, what disintegrates him is because that inner state, which is the real state of being, is really unknown. You know, the person usually thinks they're in a very wonderful shape if the physical body is not hurting at the moment, and if it has a few gratifications of the senses, they say everything is fine. However, if the inner state could be seen, do you suppose it would be said everything is fine? Or one, if one could see it, one would have to say everything's in a state of confusion, in a state out of hand, and that the whole thing is lost and that uh, possibly by very careful, tedious work over a period of time by observing the self, it might be salvaged. You know, to be salvaged is to be saved. And the great teacher was the Savior because he brought the words and brought the teaching that whereby man could be salvaged, salvaged that which was lost, his awareness, lost and full of material that defiled him, disintegrated him, and kept him falling apart. What was true 2,000 years ago is true today. Now let's see if we can, with renewed vigor and with renewed valuing and seeing the purpose of it, begin to observe every aspect of that inner self, that conditioned state of things that we at this point at least have a small, sketchy road map 
that shows us what is there to some extent. <laughs> At least shows the families. We have the picture of man, and we can observe it, and we can observe it in function, and that it does disintegrate and destroy the human being, that it does defile and trample him underfoot. And we can also observe that as we observe it, that X removes those things that come out of a man that defile him. It begins to cast them out. And by doing this, then one understands where illness, where troubles, where gradual disintegration of the whole being comes from. It comes out of the heart of man. The inner state of the awareness that has been conditioned, one then particularly pays attention to the constant bombardment of suggestion. That tells one that if one does this, sooner or later one will gain great pleasures and comforts. And if one doesn't do it, one will come upon miseries and agonies. One finds that there is all manner of forces that are continually trying to exploit this conditioned inner man and doesn't want him changed one iota because if he changed, they wouldn't have the power. If no one, ever one was conscious, there wouldn't be any power structures. So there is constantly suggestion that you're really to be pitied. You're most unfortunate. You have rights which should be stuck up for, and I'm going to stick up for your rights for you, for you to be non-disturbed, because that's what the rights always are. Now, generally, the word is security. Security meaning you are not only non-disturbed at this moment, but we will assure you of non-disturbance in the future. You have a right to have everything you want without doing anything to get it because you were born, and that gives you the right to have it. And you are a very special person. <clears throat> Therefore, that's why you are being mistreated. No, we are all the same. We are all conditioned. <clears> Hence, <throat> discovering that we are conditioned and thereby mechanical is not something to feel upset about. It is the first step to come out of that state of being controlled by that which is within because the cleansing starts the moment one recognizes that one is in a conditioned state, a lost state, if you please, and that the conditioning is operating purely as a machine and that I is not on the job at all, that he has been hypnotized, put sound to sleep, and that the real individual, real I, with a capital I, with a line drawn under it, is totally out of functioning, is asleep, and that not I's, false personalities, bits of conditioning, programming, and probably would be a very good word to use today, much like a computer is programmed, and it does whatever it's programmed to do. Whether what it's programming is true or false doesn't matter. It does what the programming is laid out for it to do. And when one realizes that one is programmed and that one is manipulated by whatever fits that programming and that one is used as a mere machine, and that from that machine comes all manner of things that are 
destructive to the entire organism, to the temple of the living being. Then one has discovered something to be very, very thankful for. One is true, has set out on a chore, on a task that takes some length of time, but it is a meaningful task, and it has worthwhileness to it, it has value to it, and one has found the path of where the ending of misery and disintegration starts, and one can enter into a gate and start on the way that will begin to bring liberty and freedom and life. And without that, without making that discovery where the whole problem is, we will search for it through doctor's offices, through pills and potions, through drugs, through alcohol, through every manner of attempting gratifications, and through all on to total and final disintegration. It has always been taught that man must know himself. He must be in the state of knowing self from moment to moment. Self-awareness, which can only come from self-observation. But that's usually glided slightly over. And, of course, we always say, I heard and I understand, which is deceit. <clears throat> because we could not say, I don't understand what that means. I will have to check it out. I will have to experiment with everything here I read and find out what it means. If I find that all this is coming from within me instead of from temptation from without, then I would have to observe self and see. By this following this observation, one comes upon what is truth. <clears throat> to know the truth begins to make one free. And in order to know what the truth is, one must see what is. And what is is that we are conditioned, and even if we have observed it a while, we still have jobs of that conditioning in the heart of man. <clears throat> and that is to see the truth of the matter. And when one sees the truth, X then operates on it. I think the statement is that know the truth, be aware of the truth, and the truth will make you free. And that seems to be exactly the way it works. It does not say know the truth and then work real hard on the truth and maybe you'll make it free or try to change what you found in, deny what you find as being truth and that will help. It is know the truth and the truth will make you free because as one sees the fact, the truth of one state that is reported to X and X does the appropriate work that undoes the agony and begins to remove the conditioning, that which defiles a man, that which tramples him under and utterly destroys him. So we see for one statement here that this teaching has been around a long, long time, and it starts out always with self-knowing. Incidentally, the statement that was read is from the New Testament, the book of Mark, Chapter 7, starting at verse 14 and going through to verse 23. 